0: Hi, and welcome to this Word in Season. Today we'll be hearing from Pastor Justin Naidu from Zoe Community Church in Johannesburg, South Africa. The Bible says God's Word is the seed for a bountiful harvest. We pray that you will flourish as you apply the principles
1: in the Word of God. The biggest problem in the world today is fatherlessness. There are three types of fathers that you will have. You will have a biological father. You might have a spiritual father if you choose to have one. And you should have a relationship with God as your heavenly father. Fathers are foundations. Adam was the first man created. He was the father of the human race. God never went back to the soil after he created Adam. And when fathers are absent... You have a generation that have no foundations and a generation or a people that live in the mud. You have today a muddy people. Fatherlessness is the biggest problem of the human race. In South Africa alone, 63% of children grow up in fatherless households. This means that two-thirds of children Men, women growing up have no understanding of what a father is. They have no foundation from which to launch themselves. When you restore family, you restore civilization. It's that simple, but it's also that impossible. (laughs) Politicians and celebrities all lack the capacity to restore society. The answer for me is locked in the Lord's Prayer as it is in heaven. Oh, and when you start to pray that prayer, you start by saying, Our Father. Unfortunately, I cannot say, Our Mother, who art in heaven. Can't. Creation groans. That earthquake that took place at 2.38 a.m. last week in Johannesburg was a groan from creation. And we don't know on the Richter scale how close you were to a major earthquake. Creation is groaning because we are living by inferior standards, inferior principles. Each man and each woman is doing what is right in his or her own eyes. So what if the church, the true church of Jesus, lived by higher ways and higher thoughts than those who govern our nation? We have to migrate from this world's orientation of selfish living to selfless serving. We have to migrate from this world's orientation of selfish living to selfless serving. This weekend, we had the opportunity of going to Newcastle and I got to Newcastle on Friday morning and they whisked me off and I'm glad they did and some of them didn't want to. They took us to the worst place in Newcastle, the place where drugs are being sold, the place where children are being abused, this whole big area, big block of flats. People burned down their houses. (laughs) There was a house that was burned literally last week. And suddenly I re- realized that my suburban living had taken me away from what was truly happening on the ground. There was a little boy, he was four years old, walking on the street. There were men you could see, drunk and high. And yet the church had this big open-air celebration in the midst of all of this. And you could see the ladies selling drugs on one side. And I thought to myself, Lord, Are we so aloof and so high in our theology and in our understanding that we've forgotten the people on the ground? Now we could just be a minute percentage of South Africans that live like the way we're living. Dressed up, all smart driving cars. But the majority of people are in abject poverty. When you get your ear onto the ground... You will find that people are grappling with ways to handle crisis. The one thing became evident to me is that the roots of tragedy are buried in the same ground of dysfunctional, broken, and non-existent family. Now I don't care what postmodernists have to say, but family starts with father. The most fundamental flaw of society is fatherlessness. And God, especially over the last 20 to 30 years, wants to restore our understanding of godly fatherhood. Now, there's so much of poor representation of father. And due to such poor representation of father, we have what I call patricide. You have femicide, you have genocide, but you have patricide. The killing and the assassination of father. Does it mean that because you've had a poor experience with father, that father should not even be mentioned? Does it mean that God didn't preordain that grace of father to be over our families and over our lives? Here's a controversial statement for you. The highest form of leadership is patriarchy. God the father. And father in Adam was not meant to laud his authority. He was meant to underpin and undergird. And leadership in terms of fathering is not meant to be hierarchical. It's meant to be foundational. Amen. That's the picture that we've had. And the more we begin to speak and the more we begin to pray about all the problems that are facing society, the more we realize that the epicenter of our world change is coming to the right understanding of father. If the world is going to change, it's got to come to that right understanding of godly fatherhood. You know, fatherlessness has become a new pandemic, but it is an evil force and it has become one of Satan's greatest and strongest strongholds that he's using. Fatherlessness. The Bible says in Malachi 4.6 that God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Governments have elaborate plans to help the nations recover. Governments are trying their best, but nothing's really happening. No transformation takes place without family life every major social problem that we experience can be traced to fatherlessness. Violent crime, drug and alcohol abuse, teenage pregnancy, suicide, all of these things strongly tie up to fatherlessness than to any other single factor. Grandmothers raising their grandchildren, single parents, orphans everywhere, Children are crying. So there was a book written and you might want to grab a hold of it. It's called Modern Day Night, K-N-I-G-H-T. Written by a man by the name of Robert Lewis. And he made some very interesting submissions. 63% of suicides come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger. They come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles come from fatherless homes. 32% of children will grow up without their fathers living with them. Children from fatherless homes seldom get through school, high school, and very rarely will go to university. These children are most likely to use drugs. We must go back to God the Father for our understanding of Father. When we study... God, the father and his relationship with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we find some very interesting dynamics in this relationship. On two occasions in the New Testament, the heavens open and the father spoke to his son and of his son. It was at the baptism of Jesus and at the Mount of Transfiguration. The father says in Matthew 3, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. At Transfiguration, it said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Let's dissect those words. The first thing the father says is, this is my son. So the first thing a father gives to his children is identity. He identifies who Jesus is. That means the son emanated from someone and something. We have serious identity crises in society because fathers have not given identity to their children. So what happens? You look for identity in the world. You look for identity wherever you go. I am X but I identify as Y. Why? Because at home, your father never validated and said, you are my son, you're my daughter. There was nothing done in the home to give identity to that child. This is why when you come into the kingdom of God, the first thing you must pursue, the first relationship you must pursue is knowing God as your father. You come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you must know God as your Father. And every day you've got to brainwash yourself and say, God is my Father, I am His Son. God is my Father, I am His Son. So the first thing the Father does, He says, this is my Son. Secondly, He says, whom I love. Now imagine the Lord Jesus about to engage in ministry and He says, He hears this voice, this is my Son whom I love. That's called emotional security. Can you imagine what these words would have meant? Even though he was a grown man, what these words would have meant to him at the start of his ministry. The father then says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Well pleased. So you got identity. You got emotional security. Now you got a father who says, I'm well pleased with you. And the son has not done anything. Anything. You know what that's called? That's called affirmation. A lot of fathers don't know how to affirm their children. Let me give you some words of affirmation. I'm proud of you. You look great today. It meant so much to me when you made me that card on Father's Day. I love you. I was impressed when you hit that ball for a six. Recently, Gabby was getting dressed in a dress and uh, she told her mother, Mom, I wonder what Daddy would say about this dress. I hope he likes it. I imagine if Daddy was not home and Daddy was drugging and Daddy was smoking and Daddy was with his friends boozing. Daddy's not there. So what Mel did was, she spoke I think in Afrikaans to me. We got Afrikaans... And she told me, tell her she looks beautiful in her dress. So as she was coming down the stairs, daddy told her, you look beautiful in your dress. The father then says on the Mount of Transfiguration, listen to him. That's called a transference of authority. In the book of John, the Lord Jesus called God his father. And that really ticked off the religious order of the day. Jesus's identity He made this huge identity claim that he and the father were one. Equal in power, in judgment, in works. And then he says in John 5.43, I have come in my father's name. Now in Jewish culture, your name is very important. Nothing expresses identity more than a person's name. Here Jesus is saying the father and the son don't have this this problem of identity. The father and the son are one. The Lord Jesus received his authority from the father. And this was done several times in the scripture. If those of you want to do a course, Harvard University has a beautiful course It's called the Human Flourishing Program. I want to say that to my learned colleague here. Last week did a fantastic job. In fact, last week's sermon should have been preached again today. I thought last week's sermon, I hope you all prepared an offering and gave the preacher offering last week. She did such a great job. But (laughs) Harvard University has this program called the Human Flourishing Program. Harvard is not a church. It's a secular institution. And two of their professors did some research on the impact of early moral influence. Early moral influence. They found that prayers and regular attendance to religious services during childhood, they are linked to healthier life choices, better mental, physical, and emotional health in adolescents and young adults. Many theories claim that parents are key to establishing identity. Study done by um, a group called Bayers and Gossens show that fathering and identity formation are dynamically linked, not intrinsically linked, dynamically linked. Parents are the primary source of cultivation and culturation for their children, even into late adolescence. Emotional security and emotional development of boys and girls starts in the home. There's a book written and maybe you want to get it. It's titled The Boy Crisis. And it shows how suicide and bullying are increasing because of absent fathers. Do you know when fathers are present, there's an absence of hypertension in the life of those adolescents. And there's an increase in trust. Why do people have trust issues today? It's because of absent fathers. A father affirms your potential. There's so much in that parent-child relationship. When there is a close bond between fathers and their children, you'll find that those people have high levels of self-esteem. Wherever there is a detachment of a father-child relationship, there is low self-esteem. Youth who spend time with their fathers have a higher self-worth than those who don't spend time with their fathers. Fathers are the bedrock of society. A father gives you identity. A father calls you his son. Fathers must stand Godward toward God on behalf of their families. Godward. The Lord Jesus did not suffer from an identity crisis because he had the grace of father poured over his life. Joseph did well as a representative father. Joseph would have taught him law, statutes. Joseph and Mary took him year after year to the feasts, took them up to the temple. The Lord Jesus was surrounded by the grace of father. This is my beloved son. A child's first level of affirmation comes from their father. You know, our children today are living in a hostile world. And they need their father's words over their lives. I want to encourage you fathers, I'm being very basic. Get involved in your children's homework. Get involved in your children's hobbies. Get involved in your children's activity. Just your presence at their school can make them feel very secure. You know, last year, I'll tell you the secret. I ran Adriel's cross-country race with him. I made him go faster. (laughs) Let me show you how you can show honor to your children. Every biological father carries a special measure of grace to bless his family and his children. Fathers, don't leave the task of prayer to your wife. You are a weak man if you do that. Your children must hear you pray. Your children must have you lay your hands over them. David prayed for Solomon. David's effectiveness as a king hinged on his father's ability to impart grace to him. So pray for your children. Jairus brought his daughter to Jesus. When you look at Job, Job prayed for his children. Whilst pastors pray for children, fathers should be doing this every day because you have the jurisdiction to do it in your home. If you are not praying over your children, you are doing them a great disservice even if they are adults. You know what the problem comes in now in this 21st century? See me. I have a BCom Law LLB, MA in Theology and a PhD in Astrophysics. My father... I'm using an example. My father worked in the shoe factory, so he can't tell me about life. So you think you're a big shot. You can never take away the grace and anointing your father has, even if he was an illiterate. That's right. That's right. So what you have to do is come to the understanding that you got to the place of PhD because your father was a foundation in your life, and you have to, even if he's alive, And if he says something to you, you know a Jew, he can be a CEO of the largest corporate. If his father tells him, shut up, he will keep quiet. He will never back chat. We have a problem. We have a problem within our circles in that we have misunderstood knowledge for wisdom. So no matter how high you go, your father carries grace. So allow for him to pray, pronounce it. Father, secondly, Show your children love. The Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 13, a father pities his children. To pity your children means to show them love, to show them compassion. There are times when children will drop things and it'll break. Hey, it's a cup. It's a glass. You can buy another one. You did that when you were growing up. It's in those moments when you can assure them that it's okay. Fathers love your children. The third thing we need to do is respect our children. Bible says in Ephesians 6:4 fathers do not provoke your children to wrath. Respect from your children is earned. When you treat them with respect, they will respect you. Hello? The next thing that's very important is fathers must be a great repository Of knowledge and wisdom to their children. Fathers, educate your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7 the Bible says to us, You shall teach them, that's the laws of God, you shall teach them diligently to your children. That's an instruction given primarily for me to a father. It's not the Sunday school teacher's instruction, not given to the pastor. You, parents, teach them diligently to your children. So you should be teaching your children the laws of God, the principles of the kingdom. Listen, if you don't teach them about sex and sexuality, the world has a doctrine and a teaching ready for it. Teach them. Moses gave this instruction to fathers. And whilst church has all the programs to educate our children, Fathers should be teaching their children all the time. Impart knowledge to them. At the dinner table, you should talk to them about righteousness, about holiness, about giving. Fathers, you should educate your children. When fathers are lazy spiritually, their children are lazy and apathetic towards the things of God. Fathers, next thing you must do is nurture your children. To nurture is to grow and to develop. Most sports stars, most sports celebrities were trained by their fathers. The man who won the most number of tennis titles, Novak Djokovic, has his father training him. Most of these tennis stars, I was reading even about Steffi Graf this week, her father was instrumental in growing and nurturing. So if you see your child has potential, push them all the way. We live in an area where Kevin Anderson lived, the tennis player. His parents saw the potential he had. They sold their house and sent him to the US and they rented a house in Fairlands. Whilst their son was in another part of the world because they saw potential. They wanted to grow and nurture. When a father sees potential in his child, he must do everything possible to harness and develop it. How do you nurture your child? You nurture your child by providing for your child. The Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Children ought not to lay up for parents, but the parents for children. So don't think you're doing a great thing by providing for your family. It's what the Bible says. Fathers also discipline your children. Discipline your children. We've got some teachers here, they'll tell you, we have an ill-disciplined bunch of children in school. Because it never discipline never started at home. When your child is offline, make sure you discipline them. The Bible says this, Proverbs 23, 13, Do not withhold correction from your child. If you love your children, you will discipline them. But discipline is not just hiding. Let's talk about some discipline mechanisms. Diet. What are you eating as a father? What are you watching as a father? What music are you listening to as a father? Do you have set bedtime for your children? As a father, are you punctual or are you always late? Who are you associating with as a father? What are you reading as a father? Are you even reading? What is your response to spiritual things? Are you consuming alcohol and drugs? Because when I grow up, I want to be like my daddy. Next thing, fathers train their children. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I also like to say, train up your wife in the way of a man, and when she is old, she will not depart from you. Training! Training, training, training. Training is instruction with practice. The problem with our society is that we pass the buck on. It's a pass the buck on society. I'll pass the task on to the school. I'll pass it on. Let me tell you something. There's enough biblical evidence to show us that a lot of training took place at home. Joseph will look at, but look at David. David was recognized as Jesse's son. His identity was linked to his father. In 1 Samuel 16 and verse 1, When Samuel received the instruction to go and anoint a new king, it was not David that they mentioned. It was a king in Jesse's house. Jesse's house had a culture to produce kings. Does your house have a culture, a system of habits to produce a different human species on the earth? So Jesse will instruct David, take the stone, aim, aim for the tree. Take the sling, take the stone, aim. Play the harp, Jesse. Come on, you're missing a note on the harp. You can do better than that. Learn to be a mighty man of of valor. Learn to be a warrior. David, you're pronouncing that word wrong. Say red lorry, yellow lorry. She sells seashells on the seashore. Because when they describe David, they describe David as a skilled musician, as a mighty man, as a man prudent in speech. That doesn't happen by fluke. I don't believe that it was a fluke that David hit Goliath where he needed to. I believe that David was trained in Jesse's house. I don't believe that David just knew how to honor Saul. No, no, no. David was trained in the eternal principle of honor. Parents, teach your children to listen to the pastor. Teach your children how to honor the pastor. Because if I'm not here in six months time and I'm in another city and another pastor is here, I'm telling you some stuff. You might not believe me. But one of the days I'll be in New York. Listen to me very carefully. Teach your children how to honor a pastor. Even if you put 20 rand in that envelope and the child writes their name on it and gives it to the servant of the Lord, the child is being ingrained and indoctrinated with what it is. To honor. But because you don't show it, they they don't do it. If parents are not praying and reading the scriptures, don't expect your children to be doing it. Train your children on why we should not litter. Train your children... On why we should not waste food. Electricity. Water. Train your children to save money. Fathers, train your children to honor God with a holy tithe. Fathers, train your children to worship God. I deliberately do it. They don't know it, but I deliberately, I go behind the piano, I start playing. Suddenly, Gabby is there on the small piano, she's playing, and Adriel comes slowly, he wants to learn how to play the song, and they're singing, and they're worshiping God. Train your children to worship God. The problem is because we come to church and we think, hey, this is a worship team here, they must sing the children. No, it's your job to train them. Put some lovely worship music on at home. Train your children in the ways of God. Talk about racism. Talk to your children about how you can help the poor. Here's a big thing for fathers. Fathers must secure the future of their children. The Bible says, Proverbs 13, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. A good man. It doesn't say an anointed, tongue speaking, Holy Ghost full, rolling on the floor, believer. It just says an ordinary good man. You secure your children's future by by life insurances, investment policies. Fathers, if you are here, I'm teaching you, you must own property. Make sure you have a will. Don't leave your children in debt. Update your policies. Every year, do it. Update your policies. Because listen, the cost of living last year and the cost of living this year, you know when you go to the shop, you take a thousand and you can't buy half of what you were getting last year. A father can show honor to his children by loving his wife. Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife. You see, many of you, like myself, we went to some great institutions to learn about the sphere that we wanted to pursue, the career. But the only university you will go to for marriage is your parents' marriage. Ouch! Holy Spirit, speak to us. You see, if we fix the man, we fix the garden. We are trying to fix the woman, we're trying to fix the children, we're trying to fix the helper, we're trying to fix everything else, but not the man. Everything rises and falls on headship. The gravitational flow of, it, of anointing, unfortunately, is not bottom up. And if a mother tries to be ahead, it will be chaos in the house. It will be chaos because it's a reversal of roles. So husbands, love your wives. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Not, Not lesser vessel, weaker. Understand your wives physically, that she may not be able to do certain physical tasks. So don't think you are macho and kick the door. You are weak because you can't control your anger. So dwell with your wife with understanding. Number two, mentally. Men, you want to get to a point, ladies like to converse, like talk. In fact, for every one word a man says, about five or six words that a lady will say. So understand your wife. We want to get dressed quickly. The ladies will take very long to get dressed. Yesterday we were driving back, we weren't even looking at one tree and I'm telling them in the car that men only are concerned about getting to the destination quickly. Ladies want to talk about the journey. Stop, let's have coffee, look at the birds, look at the sky. But the Bible says, dwell with them with understanding. Spiritually, your wife is very, very sensitive. If your wife tell you, I don't like that fellow, you better believe it, your wife is right. I don't like the way that lady was looking at you. You better believe it. A wife, your wife is sharp, man. We grew up in a society where children didn't see their parents show affection to each other. And monkeys see, monkey do. So when you grow up, you got no way of showing affection to your spouse. But fathers show affection to your children and your wives. Buy your wife flowers. Give your wife some money. Give her some unexpected money. Do, all the ladies, you should be saying amen. 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 You should be serving your wife with dignity. What are you doing? You are setting the next generation up for healthy relationships. I pray today God has helped us fathers to realize where we are at. 69% of university graduates Are female. That means the ladies are getting sharper and the men are getting not so sharp. sharp. (laughs) Father, set the pattern in your house. I used to see my father read the newspaper every day. My father loved books, he would buy books all the time. That's why I I developed my love for, for books and for reading because it came from my father. What are you doing in your house? What are you doing in your all day Netflix series? Don't take walks, don't play soccer, nothing, just sit there. Want the cup to come to you, want the dishes to go I'm praying for fathers to really take their place in society, I'm really praying for that. When you study the life of a lot of people that have been affected with sexuality issues, a lot of that goes back to the foundation of fathering. And I tell you, if we can get it right in the home, just imagine the father comes right, one man, and just say he's got a wife and two, three, four children. Everything just starts like a, like a domino effect. Everything starts to fall in place. You know, when your father speaks, if you're a man and you speak, your children must know that decibel You know, when the thing goes a little bit high, they must just know everything must fall into place. A lot of men have lost their voice in their homes because what they say and what they do are three different things. I hope today God is speaking to us. I hope today that you will know that you might be male by gender, but you are husband and father by conduct. Don't throw your male... Attitude around with me when you're such a poor father and such a poor husband. No, you're a weak man. You're a weak man. We've got a lot of names for you, but we won't use them publicly. Weak, weak. I hope today, why aren't we celebrating masculinity? Why aren't we celebrating femininity? Why aren't we celebrating fathers? But we want to reverse all the rules. And then we have chaos. The only way to restore society is through family and through headship of father. God's sovereignty works with human responsibility. Some of us fathers have to go home. We have to write notes to our children and say, I'm sorry for the things I did as a father. Even if it was 20 years ago, I behaved like, uh, Cyril, your word, not my word, like a moron. I behaved poorly. I'm sorry for putting our family in debt. Daddy will try. You got to go back and say, Sort it out. I'm sorry for being absent when I should have been there holding your hand at that moment in time. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it before it is too late. I am a product of a good father. I smile today. It's a difficult day to smile. My first father's day without my father. But I smile because my father taught me so much. And he said, he who lived for his time has lived for all time. He who has lived for his time has lived for all time. If you're a father and you live for your time, you live for all time. Grace, mercy, and peace to you.
0: It's been so great having you with us. We'd love to meet you in person at our Sunday services. Please feel free to join us at 9 a.m. at 43 Lotus Street, Gallo Manor, Santon. If you'd like to access any of our free resources, get more information, or sow a seed into our ministry, please visit our website on www.lifecom.co.za. That's www.lifecom.co.za. You can also subscribe to Pastor Justin Naidu on YouTube or find Zoe Community on Facebook and Instagram grace and blessings to you.